The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Man, last week was a lot of fun. I know with Snow Sunday, we pared it down to one service, and it's always that mystery on a Snow Sunday of like, well, who's going to show up? You know, we could have, what, maybe 20 people. We could have more than that. And if you were here, it was it was amazing. It really was. We had It was packed in here. We had overflow out into the lobby. I didn't even know that till after service. There was like 30 chairs in the lobby and people standing around. And for baptisms, and if you were here to get baptized, man, I just celebrate with you. But in one service to baptize 28 people, it was incredible. I mean, to look up and go, there's a whole wall full of people waiting to get baptized. Man, it was a lot of fun. And what I really loved was, you know, by the end of service when we would normally dismiss, I had said, you know, we're going to go ahead and dismiss, but we were going to keep baptizing because we still have individuals. And there was really only a handful of people that got up and, and, and had to go. And so, man, it just stayed packed and we had a lot of fun celebrating. It really makes me wish that we could do baptisms like all as one rather than in four different services. But uh, it, was a, it was a big, huge, fun celebration. So love that. Um, I want to take a moment too and, and mention that a few weeks ago, um, you know, you guys, we all celebrated that Heather and I and our family had been here 10 years in this role. And, and I want to, first of all, say that I, I had heard that we were over at Snohomish speaking and, and Ryan had said, hey, you know, if anybody wants to, to give and, and we want to give them a, a gift, a financial gift, um, man, that was a real blessing. And so to all of you that, that gave to, to make that happen, I just want to say thank you. And, um, you know, real quick, one of the things we were talking about for a little while is we want to go with our kiddos to Disneyland and we had planned to go in March and we literally were like, well, not quite sure how we'll fund it, but I'm, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out and, and stuff. And uh, looked at our budget. And we're carving out plans, and so um, to receive that gift, it's it's fun to know that'll definitely help towards getting our kids to Disneyland. So that'll be a good time in March. Um, and I, I finally just want to say this, and I, I might have mentioned it a few weeks ago, but it really is an honor for Heather and I to get to do what we do. And, and I love, I feel very called to this, and I love what I get to do. And I love that, that you all are on the journey with us, just trying to figure out how do we reach people and help people love Jesus and help, help each other kind of take steps in our faith and, and, and grow and, and become what God wants. And so I just want to say personally, man, thank you so much. I love that I get to do this. You guys are incredible, and um, it's been really cool. I look forward to what the future holds, but I uh, just wanted to mention mention that. So thank you so much. Um, We're in a series called Life Multiplied. Today is part five, and the subtitle of the message is The Physical Life. And uh, just a personal portion of my story, when I was in high school, I did not take any PE classes that had to do with lifting weights. And and the reason was because I would take net sports or, you know, whatever, but I would never take those because I was 4'9 when I was in ninth grade. I looked like I was eight years old in high school. I was I was really small and was not very strong. And I didn't want to end up in, in like a free weights type of class where I'm struggling to barely lift the bar if I maybe even could have. And you got other like meat heads that are lifting, you know, crazy weights. And I'm like the little wiener in the corner. And so I never did that. And so I was never a part of a gym. I, of course, I always would play random pickup basketball games or baseball, or whatever. Um, but I was never super, super physical. And there came a point in my life at 39, four years ago, where I was thinking about turning 40 and I began to process just physical 
health. And, and so as I was thinking about it and, and kind of going, man, well, you know, I wonder if I should really think about something. It was at about that same time, some individuals were part of the church that, that were really committed to fitness and committed to nutrition and stuff. And I got to know them. And one day I, I planned this one day. I, when I saw them, I said, listen, here's what I'm going to do. January 1st, I'm going to show up at the gym and I'm going to figure this stuff out. Cause I didn't know anything about anything. I wasn't strong, still not incredibly strong, but, um, had to make some decisions. And so it, it's, it's been a journey for me, but here's what it was at the end of the day. I realized that being healthy was a concern for two reasons. One of those reasons is I want to be as healthy as I can, you know, as the years go on so that I can play with my kids and my grandkids someday and enjoy life with them, including being physically fit to be able to sort of keep up with them as much as possible. And so that was part of it. But the other part came through this lens. I believe that you and I are stewards of the gifts that God has given us. And in this series in Life Multiplied, we've talked about different things about our lives and that Jesus says, you know, we want to have life and life abundantly, but what does that mean? And so when we talk about the physical life or physical health, um, I think it's an important stewardship conversation. Now, I know it's going to be quiet in here, and I'm going to talk a little bit about where this gets uncomfortable because you're thinking, man, here it comes. Now I got to stop drinking soda and eating little Debbie snacks or whatever. And, and I'm not here to dictate the decisions that you make. And I realize that this is a challenging conversation. And, and part of the reason, I'm just going to be as transparent as I can be. Part of the reason this can be uncomfortable is we can talk about prayer and nobody sort of knows your prayer life. We can talk about reading scripture and nobody's sort of aware. We can talk about all kinds of different things and it's not so noticeable, but sometimes we make assumptions about physical health based on appearance. And that's where everybody kind of of, of, of cringes. And I don't want to do that. And that isn't the motive. At the same time, I want to challenge all of us to understand we all are stewards of everything God entrusts to us, whether it's financial resources or the relationships that God gives us or the place we work and the people that we navigate around or our physical health. And so we're going to talk about this and I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 for a bit. If you've got a smartphone, you can go there. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. We'll have the verses on screen, but um, 1 Corinthians 3, starting at verse 10, Paul is writing to this church. He said, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we have already laid Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. Verse 14, if the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but some, as someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. I'm going to stop there. God, today, as we pray for a moment here, we ask that you would really help us understand the conversation about stewardship. And, and even in a world where, God, it's not always easy, it's, there are certain challenges to this conversation, and yet I pray for us to be attentive to what your spirit would challenge us with aware that there are some changes that we can really look at, God, and, and, and yet we thank you, God, for your work in us because we're stewards in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So Paul is writing to this church, and he's talking about, and he starts with his conversation about the foundation. And that's not new information. To most of us in this room, when we talk about the work of Christ, we talk about the cross, we talk about what Jesus has done, that is the foundation that we all build on. And Paul, in a later portion of the New Testament, talks about how apart from Christ, everything is meaningless. And so we can do all kinds of good things, but apart from Christ, we're not building anything because we're not building on the foundation. It all starts with Jesus Christ. And that's where we begin. That's where on a baptism Sunday, the story has everything to do with people making a decision, a personal decision that we all have to make. What do we do with Jesus? What do we do with this idea that somebody paid the price for my sin? Do I believe it, accept it, receive it into my life and say, I want Jesus to be my savior and to be my Lord? And if we say yes to that, that's the foundation that then we build our lives upon. And so the life that we're building is something we all have to be aware of because after Paul starts in on we're all building on a foundation, he says this, be careful how you build. Are you and I careful about what kind of life we're building? Are you and I careful about the decisions that we're making that could either help or hinder, maybe it's our marriage, that could help or hinder the relationship with our neighbors, that could help or hinder the people around us to either see Jesus and realize his grace through how we're living or not see it. We're all building something. But he says, be very careful how you build. And that's where in our Life Multiplied series, we're talking about life abundantly. And physical life is part of that conversation. A few verses later, he's going to say, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God? That the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. And yes, he's talking about together as the body of Christ. In a few chapters, and I'm going to get to this, And a few chapters later, he's going to get more specific. But let me ask this. Why do we know better about living healthy, being physically and emotionally healthy, and yet avoid the conversation? And I think part of it is, absolutely, it's uncomfortable. We hate the fact that you can watch all kinds of commercials all day long about this medicine or that medicine and being aware that there's all kinds of things out there. That's great. And yet, at the end of many of those commercials, it will say, but this does not replace diet and exercise. Because we know somehow deep within us, there's something about our physical health that has to do with diet and exercise. You can medicate and medicate and medicate. And I'm not against using medicine. But the fact is, if that's our only go-to, my fear is, yes, we're missing the point. Another reason why we hate this conversation, it's cheap and easy to stay where we're at. If we don't have to make any changes, first of all, that's easy. But all of a sudden, when change is required, we go, oh man, this is uncomfortable. But the other part is it's cheap. There's a comedian who says this, you can get five burgers for a nickel or a salad for 15 bucks. And we feel that. It's like, man, it's not easy to figure out what to eat and how to eat and what's good and what's not. And we all know that it's like every couple of years, the news reports change about what's good and what's not. And so we're all like, I don't even know what's good anymore. I just eat Pop-Tarts, you know? So anyway, but so it's cheap and it's easy. We all know that if you have to drive through something and you get your food through the window, most of it's probably not healthy. We know that, but we're at the window. And my money and my food, bag of whatever, it's leaking onto the seat, and now there's grease on the seat. What was I doing? Anyway, so that's just me, not you. 
another one. And I'm just going to say this, but what happens is this. You and I minimize the importance of being physically healthy. We use verses, and, and Paul says this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.8. He says, physical training is of some value, but training for godliness is much more important, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. And so we play that card all day long. Well, you know, the physical stuff, whatever, but I'm just really working on my prayer life. And that's great. Paul acknowledges it's more important, but I would still petition all of us with this. These things play together. You can't simply fully separate our physical health from our spiritual health. I would say it this way. Physical health impacts our spiritual progress. And so they do play together even though this is an uncomfortable conversation. If you drink alcohol and you have a problem with alcohol and you always have to have it, but you realize it's maybe destroying your liver, that's a problem. If, if you have a nicotine habit and you chew or you smoke and, and that's just kind of a thing that you do, but you know the impacts because you read the side of the carton and it says on there the effects and what's going to happen, that's a problem. And I'm not going to avoid the, 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 nic- or the, the caffeine conversation either, even though we live in the Pacific Northwest. That if we live addicted to caffeine and have to have it in order to exist, that too is a problem. You ever think about how gluttony is listed as one of the seven deadly sins? What we eat matters. And and this wasn't such a big deal maybe 2,000 years ago as it is today where processed foods are available and easy to purchase. And so these foods that have things, you read the ingredients and you can't even, you know, list the word. You can't even read the words in the, in, the, in the ingredients. Like, how do you say that? Is this Greek what's on here? Once again, is it possible that what we're eating is actually a detriment to our ability to be healthy? Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 3.12, anyone who builds on the foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. And what he's basically saying is there's a couple of categories. There's things that you and I are going to do that are going to be lasting into eternity and make a difference. And there's things that you and I could possibly end up doing that will end up going nowhere and won't get into eternity. And the fact is, he brings up something that isn't maybe super fun to talk about, but he says there's coming a judgment day, and there's not one of us that will avoid this conversation. There's coming a judgment day at the end of our lives, or eventually, as the Bible talks about, the end of the sort of the world, where we'll be judged for all that we've done. And Paul says there are things that will last and things that won't last. But that goes back to what he had said before, be very careful then how you live. Stuff will last and some stuff won't last. And so as we think about what we're building, we look at our lives and go like this. Well, aren't we talking about our time and aren't we talking about our money and aren't we talking about you know, the talents that God has given us and, and, and all of this stuff? We're not talking about physical health, right? I mean, really? Aren't we talking about those things? Shouldn't we be proud that our life expectancy is, is what, pushing up into the 80s now and isn't any more like 40 years old like it was a long time back? I'm an old man back then and some of you are just gone. Like, is, aren't we okay? Shouldn't we be okay with that? And I would argue that, that if you fast forward, as I said, to 1 Corinthians 6, 
Verses 19 and 20 say this, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself, for God brought, bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. And then we go, well, wait a minute, you skipped a verse. If you go to the verse before that, isn't that giving us the context for this picture right here? Sexual sin. The verse before it says this, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. And so you could say, well, wait, isn't Paul arguing that you and I are the temple and so we shouldn't be involved in, in, in relationships, sexual relationships outside of the bounds and parameters that God has given us in marriage? Which, by the way, if you didn't listen to the message from two weeks ago, we talked about that and I encourage you to listen or watch online. But, but isn't he talking about that? And I would say this, yes, he is. But don't forget, throughout the New Testament, there are multiple lists given about what, what ought to be the fruit of our lives going right to Galatians 5.22 for the fruit of the Spirit. And we went over this a few weeks ago. Love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And he also lists other things. Don't live giving into slander and gossip and lying and dissensions and factions and jealousy and rage and unforgiveness and drunkenness and orgies. and Don't do all that stuff. Because Paul is literally saying those are things also that defile the temple. Let me, let me give you a bit of a history lesson momentarily, and I'm going to breeze through this pretty quickly. In the Old Testament, you have the books of First and Second Kings, and they are what you would think. They're, they're a list of the kings of Israel and then Judah as the nation splits off. So in the nation of Israel, there's good kings and there's bad kings. There's kings that help the nation of Israel realize who God is, and there's kings that hinder that. Well, in 1 Kings chapter 6, Solomon is the king, and, and Solomon has been commissioned to build the temple. And yes, it's the same idea we're talking about, this whole temple conversation. And as you read 1 Kings chapter 6 and 7, all of the parameters of the, the exact size of the temple and the, the exact materials that would be used for the temple and the types of wood and the types of stone. In fact, there was even a quarry that was a long ways away where they chiseled the block for the temple so that they wouldn't bring to the temple rock and hammer and make crazy noises because there was this awe and, and sense of holiness about the location of the temple. And as you continue in 1 Kings chapter 6 and into 7, it talks about all of these materials and the gold that, that wrapped so much of the wood and, and the awe of what the temple would be as the, the, the outer court and the inner court and the holy of holies and all of this stuff. And then you get to the articles within the temple and the basins and the wash bins and the candle snuffers. And you look at the curtains and the amazing nature of the building of these ginormous curtains with pomegranate things weaved together every you know certain measurements. It's just absolutely amazing how the temple was constructed. And it took Solomon, gosh, I think it was 20 years between the temple and the palace for all of it to be built and all of the detail and care that goes into it. And in 1 Kings chapter 8, the ark is brought to the temple. And if you're not familiar with the ark, this was the idea that, that God really rested with the nation of Israel. And while they were nomadic, they had the tabernacle and the ark. And as they made it a permanent place called the temple, they brought the ark into it. And this was a big deal. And there was fanfare and all this system they went through to, to bring it into the, the temple. And, and in chapter 8, verse 10, um, 
the ark is brought and God's presence literally fills the temple. And the people are in awe at what's happening. And it's an incredible moment for the nation. And, and Solomon rises up in chapter 8 and, and, and gives praise and, and dedicates the temple to the Lord. And it's, again, an incredible moment. And then the Lord speaks one way or another. They get this, this voice, booming thunder, whatever it might have been. The, the voice of God speaks to the nation of Israel in 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. And the basic gist of, of what the Lord says is, you are my people and I'm committed to you. And, and this thing and all you've done is awesome. And, and, and you know, we're, we're together in this, but he also says, remain in me. Do what I ask you to do. Be what I've asked you to be. Obey what I've asked you to obey because we're committed to this together. And it's amazing. If you read those chapters, 1 Kings 6 through chapter 9, it's absolutely astounding. And then what happens as, as the book of 1 Kings and into 2 Kings continues, you hear over and over about the neglect of the temple. And at certain points, they, they move away from worshiping the Lord and they invite the gods of like Baal and Ashtoreth to, to be part of the temple ceremony. And they set up certain poles of worship and they even at certain points in the darkest moments of the nation of Israel invite shrine prostitutes to live in the temple for, for literally sexual ceremony that happens within the temple. I mean, completely defiling their relationship with God through their honoring of the temple. Even outside, they set up certain uh, places of worship for the gods of the sun and the moon. I mean, it's just an absolute disaster. There's points where they peel off the gold from different areas within the temple and sell off the gold and bronze and silver articles within the temple in order to pay off other kings so that they don't get taken over by these other nations. I mean, they've completely desecrated the temple completely misused what it was intended for. And it's a really sad story. When you get to 2 Kings, starting at chapter 11, it gets pretty ugly. But then what happens is in 2 Kings 22 and 23, I'm trying to get through this. In 2 Kings 22 and 23, there's a king named Josiah. And Josiah is, is really, basically, as you read the whole of it, the most honorable, the most God-fearing king in the entire nation of Israel after David. There's this period where it just gets really ugly and it's kind of this back and forth. But Josiah steps in and realizes that everybody's way off base. And he commissions groups to go and tear down all these other, you know, altars and, and, and these other, you know, Asherah poles and these other gods where they're worship. Tear it all down and get rid of it. Kicks out the prostitutes from the temple. I mean, just cleanses everything. They find the book of the law and read it and they're torn to the heart. And Josiah's like, we've got to obey this, you guys. We're way off base. And it's an amazing moment. And it's amazing, 2 Kings 22 and 23, incredible. But the problem is it doesn't last. More kings come to power that don't have this honor and awe of God, and it just gets really messy all the way to the point where in 587 BC, the temple is destroyed, and the nations of Israel and Judah are completely exiled into captivity. It's a super sad story. And I bring it all up to say that that's the picture of the temple. But you've got to understand that there's parallels. When you bring the conversation in the Old Testament to, to the New Testament about the temple, and Paul boldly declares that we are the temple, we're not only talking about the abuse of our bodies because of sexual immorality, we're talking about the abuse of our bodies because we misuse the gift that God has given us. And Paul and Peter as well and John list all kinds of ways that we misuse the temple. 
And so I bring all of that up because when you get to the book of Acts in chapter 2, there is a, the, the, the power of God fills the temple once again. But in Acts chapter 2, it's not a building. It's the people of God gathered together in prayer as the establishment of the New Testament church happens. The Spirit of God fills people and they're empowered to go out and be witnesses all over the place. And so it's, it's, it's a similar parallel to what happens in 1 Kings 8 when the presence of God fills the actual Old Testament temple. And so now that you and I are the temple, it ought to produce a certain, I believe, conviction in us that our temples are not for immoral purposes. Our temples shouldn't be mistreated, yes, with sexual exploits, but also mistreated with the abuse of alcohol or drugs, with, with nicotine or caffeine or foods that destroy us, or even within our own temple, living in unforgiveness, living in anger, living in bitterness, things that eat away at us from the inside. We're stewards of God's temple. And this, listen to me, this isn't about you and I living in some strict way where, well, I'm going to leave here and I was going to have a cookie and now I'm not. (laughs) Because somebody in the lobby is going to go, why do you serve cookies if you're talking about health? Because here's the thing, I'm not talking about you and I living in some strict way because any time that most people go on some strict, you know, thing where they're going to do this and this and this, they're going to be strict about it, those things don't last, but... It is about realizing there are changes that you and I can make that will lead us down a path where we can be healthy and still have a cookie. (laughs) Just so I don't have to deal with that in the lobby in about 10 minutes. You're like, I was going to say something too, darn it. Let Let me just say this. We abuse our temples when we misunderstand a few biblical principles, and let me just give them to you. Number one, health is a gift. We don't necessarily look at it that way. And, and a lot of us take our health for granted. A, a, there's a lot of individuals that they get into their 70s and 80s and think back, you know, man, I wish I could be like I was when I was in my 40s. Boy, I wish I could be as strong as I was when I was in my 20s. Or you talk to somebody that has a chronic health problem that they have to now navigate, and it's kind of a, a permanent issue that they're battling, and they look back and go, man, I didn't realize my health was such a gift. Health is a gift. And so for you and I, we need to understand that, that yes, it's a gift, but, but the second thing is this. Health then is stewardship because we are stewards of what God gives us in this life. And as stewards, we really ought to be looking at, yes, absolutely, our resources, our finances. Yes, absolutely, the relationships God gives us. Yes, absolutely, the ability to read scripture and and learn about who God is and what he desires of us. Absolutely. But we also ought to realize that if our five senses are working well, our organs are functioning, and our body is mobile like it is, that's a gift. And yet here in a day like today, it's like this isn't popular. Most of us fell off our New Year's resolutions about a week ago, according to statistics. It's a stewardship thing. And the other thing is this, and we know it. Being healthy provides opportunity. I, I think of some of the, the outreach that we do and, and stuff like we, with iHeart, that we're going out into our communities and taking on projects where, to be honest, if, if you're not physically healthy, it can be a real challenge. 
I think of some of the mission trips that we've been a part of in Panama and in the DR expanding schools and doing construction work in hot climates and and block and heavy stuff and and realizing that being healthy is a gift. That for some of us that when we're able to go on those trips, you and I have expanded multiple schools in in the Latin, Latin American Caribbean. Because of what we've been able to do, and that's awesome, not to brag on us, but the truth is our ability to go and do that is only possible because we can be healthy. In fact, a couple of years ago, if you never want to go on a trip, here might be why. A couple of years ago, one of the things I did was say, hey, for everybody going on this trip, we're going to pair up with accountability partners, and for the next 10 months before we go, we're going to have accountability about what we're doing to be healthier than when we are, than where we're at today. So are you jogging? You heading to the gym? Hey, are you working on what you're eating? Are you aware that physical health matters? And it, it was so fun to hear some of those results. And yet I had somebody tell me, I have been a part of church row for a long time. I've never seen anybody ever do this. And it's not that we're so amazing, but it was just an idea that, wait, wait a minute. If physical health is important, what if we did do that? And it was fun to hear the stories of people going, hey, I, there was accountability, and I like that. But being healthy provides opportunity. As I wrap this up, obviously, there are individuals, there's stuff that happens to us that, that, that can't be sort of dealt with and, and we just kind of endure what's happening. And I get that. I, the other thing I also realize is with age, we're not who we used to be. And you could say, well, we had our prime, you know, sort of healthy, whatever, physically in our 20s or, or whatever, in early 30s. Great. But at the same time, I believe that we're accountable for where we're at. And whether, whether you're in your mid-40s like I am, 43 years old, or you're in your mid-80s, or, or you're anywhere in your teens, that you and I are stewards of what God has given us, and I believe in age, I guess you could say this, age-appropriate accountability. What can I do to be as healthy as I can be in order, yes, to enjoy the family God has entrusted to me? But what else can I do to accomplish God's mission by being as healthy as I can be? Going where God would call me to go, doing what God would call me to do. One of the things I did um, for this message is I, um, I interviewed a couple that I've gotten to know the last few years, um, Ryan and Stephanie Swabity. And the reason that I wanted to interview them is because they really feel a call to help this community be healthier physically. And so they really work with individuals when it comes to nutrition and, and physical exercise. And so we've had a lot of conversations over the years that I made that commitment, like I said, just over four years ago now. And, um, and so I sat down with them and, and we were talking about this conversation through the lens of faith. And here's how it started. We literally sat down and Ryan and Stephanie and Beckett was sitting there hanging out with us and, and it was fun to, to, to talk. But I basically started in with this. Let's talk fitness and why it matters. And the first thing Ryan said, and I didn't coach him or tell him anything about this, the first thing he said was this, we say at the Grove Church all the time, this can't be about sitting and enjoying the show. With fitness comes all the opportunities to go out and make a difference. And again, I didn't prod anyone to say that. I was going, thank God he gets, I love the beginning. So I prodded, why does this feel like a calling to you? And, and, And here was their answer. Similar to our faith, once you get it, you want others to know it. Once, once you make some of those changes, I was talking with a guy in the lobby earlier who said, I, I used to live as a drunk and I had a problem with nicotine for years. He said, I've been free of them for years and man, is my life better. And I would say on a personal level, and I hate that this sounds like a, a pitch from me, but when I rewind my life just over four years ago, I wasn't in terrible health as far as you know, weight-wise or whatever, but I wasn't active. 
And I lived, honestly, kind of mentally in a little bit of a fog. I remember I would have headaches pretty often just for random reasons I didn't even understand. I ached a lot in my body and I didn't sleep very well and my body hurt when I was done, when I would get up in the morning. That was just me. And, And again, I know this sounds, oh yeah, you're just saying it. But when I started making a commitment to get to the gym and, and start doing things physically, and I started looking at changing, making decisions to change my diet, you're not going to believe it, but I'm telling you, every one of those things has gone away. And sure, every now and then I get a headache, or every now and then something hurts, but it didn't, it's not like it used to be. And I can only say this, because of the changes I decided to make, I have seen a significant difference. Not to mention, I'm ginormous now. So, just kidding. As I continued to, to, to talk with them, um, Ryan mentioned this. His concern is this. Our society caters to an easy life. I was thinking about, and we were talking about this. Have you ever seen the movie Wally? Remember, they're, they're like away from the earth because earth became too bad, so they're on this ship, and they're all living, but they're on like chairs that move everywhere. They don't have to move. You remember that? And you watch the movie, and it's like, oh, that's hilarious. But then you look at life and go, you can apparently experience like skydiving and bungee jumping and all kinds of crazy activities at your home with your, you know, Google Glass or your smartphone, whatever, or, you know, even YouTube, different things. And you can experience anything as you watch on your iPad or whatever. And the fact is you can do a lot of things without actually doing anything. And that's one of his great concerns is in our world, we live through, through staring at a screen all the time, even for adventurous things, and yet we don't actually go and do anything physically. A couple other concerns, I said, let's talk a bit about you know, your, your concerns, and, and he said, one would be the fitness industry makes it look hard. That, that you see certain shows about, you know, you know, the, taking you know, the, the, this big extreme weight loss show or, you know, hiring a personal trainer and we in the room, we go, I can't afford a personal trainer or whatever, or making huge plans to, to make, to see something change. And it's this drastic, whatever that isn't realistic. So those two concerns. And then the final one, I brought this one. I said, let's talk a little bit about the pharmaceutical company. Let's talk a little bit about medicine and stuff. And, and he wanted to make sure, he said, I want to give a disclaimer to these comments. It's not that, you know, we're all about anti-medicine, no medicine, nothing. He said, but the problem is we're so medicated that we take medication to deal with the effects of medication. And he said, it's, it is ironic and it is a little dangerous to simply lean only on medication when we realize that there's a lot of things that we can do to change our diet and to work on exercise that could minimize the need for some of those medications. Again, not anti, because we get this weird thing like, oh, there's one of those people. Not anti, but realizing that we could minimize how much we need. And he brought up a friend of his that was uh, diagnosed with type one diabetes a few years ago. And he said, I worked with him to, to, to change diet and, and exercise. And he said this, he uses one tenth the amount of the medication he used to use because he made those changes. And I said, what, what do you say to the people that would say, I'm, I'm too far gone? And I loved his response. I've never met anybody that's ever too far gone. Now I know it's quiet in here. And I know this isn't a super popular thing to talk about, but the fact is as stewards, I think we need to really look at what we're doing, decisions that we're making. And are we making decisions based on the fact that I believe, and I say it this way all the time, that you and I are stewards of the great commission in our generation. And if we don't have the ability because of our own physical situation 
to go out and make the kind of difference we're called to make, then maybe we ought to take a new look at what we're doing about our physical situation. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not looking at anybody in particular. I'm simply reminding all of us, I think this is a bigger deal than we make it. And in a world that's full of processed foods and and, and living adventurous from our couch, maybe there's another way to look at what we're called to do. Father, today, God, I pray for you to really help us. Lord, that, that not one person in this room feels condemned because of this conversation. That we're not here looking at judging one another. Well, look at that and look at them and look at that. It's not that, but it is a simple reality that I think for all of us, this is a conversation. For all of us, it's about realizing there's things that we can do. There's steps that we can take. There's realizing that if it's a lot of sitting, it's getting up and taking walks. If it's taking walks, that eventually maybe it's taking a jog. That if it's the eating thing and we go, you know, I don't really do vegetables unless this or that, that we go, you know, maybe I need to take a step and include a vegetable in my diet on a daily basis. And what is it? And how can I do it? I don't want to become a, a fitness religion kind of conversation, eating and, and, and fitness conversation, because I don't believe that's the core of, of who we are. But I believe it's an important conversation because I believe it all plays together. That our ability to be physically strong or healthy, that our ability, God, to be mentally healthy, our ability to work on the spiritual dynamic of our lives, that all of those things really do play together. And I pray for you to work, God, in in each of us. That there's things I believe that your Holy Spirit would remind us, you know, I, you know what I need? I just need to drink more water. The sugary stuff or the liquid carbohydrates, or the, you know what? Just that step. That God, we can be healthy and that we can make a difference with the gift of health that you give us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.